On today's show, I'm going to be talking to the guys from Count Pariah. They've got a brand new single and video out called Paranoia, or, and it's from a new EP coming up called Hymns for Heathens. Uh, let me just list you guys and you know raise your hand digitally when I say your name or give a shout out. We've got lead singer James Croft, a.k.a. Shibby. Hey, Shibby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. We've got bassist Dustin Barus, a.k.a. DB. Welcome to the show, DB. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, and we have Adam Tilly, drummer, a.k.a. Bird. Welcome to the show. Absolutely my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us, Kelly. Well, I've been doing my detective work, and you said something really interesting in one of your interviews. You said... You guys are fathers first and rockers second. So what is this? Did all these like dads get together and say, we want to be cool again and start a rock band? <laughs> it was actually at a parent-teacher conference also. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we were oh, even better. And uh, we had our plaid shirts on. Uh, no, man, all that means is we're family first. And, and I'll be the first to tell you that there's more involved in this than just the four guys in the band. And I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. Everybody has wives. Everybody has kids. And they are all a part of Count Pariah family. And what we mean by dads first is just, you know, it's the obvious. Our kids are, are the most important thing. So uh, I think we all kind of came into this with different, different expectations, different reasons that we may have jumped into rock music in general. But we are dads first. I mean... What's more important than raising your raising your little one, you know? I like that. And I think a lot of people think once you get married and raise a family, you have to give up every single dream. But you don't. But it seems like you do it more focused, like your time is more precious. So you really get down to business when you rehearse and when you do a project. Oh, absolutely. And we're not we're not starving artists either. You know, there's a lot of desperation that comes from being 18 and trying to make it. And, you know, it, it puts us in a unique position as a, as a group when writing music, when, when looking at deals, when looking at, you know, offers that are on the table. Uh, it, it, it puts a unique perspective on when we write, you know, we don't necessarily write for children or anything like that, but we're a little bit more conscious of how we, how we act, how we are on stage, you know, the, the content that we put out there, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, how about just like representation? You know, we're so bombarded with pop music and we don't see like just a lot of like you guys, you know, guys raising families, dads, you know, making rock music. Do you find now that you're out there, people are coming out of the woodwork saying, yeah, you, you represent us. You know, we, we, we play on the weekends, you know, we have full time jobs, but we also, you know, have this rock and roll spirit. Like what's the feedback you get from guys? The, feed, the feedback that I've gotten, and I apologize if I cut anybody off here. Uh, the feedback I've gotten is 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 just the the work ethic. You know, my my friends that are also fathers or mothers, and they see everything that we're doing, in addition to having our regular nine to five day jobs and also being fathers and being husbands. You know, I I, I think it just kind of kind of drives home the point. Like we all want it. And it's, you know, it goes back to the old cliche saying that anything you, you know, anything you truly want is worth working for. So 
you know, uh, you know, talking about being the father's first and the rocker's second, you know, I, I really enjoyed the point that you made about, you know, we get to work. We're all very busy. And I think time delegation is a huge deal. And I think that, you know, we could potentially be the new breed of rockers. You know, I mean, I grew up, you know, the 90s and stuff like that. And I was listening to those rock guys and stuff. And the image was much different back then. You know, you had a lot of leather, you had, you know, the bracelets, the chains and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you know, I, I still try to try to be a little edgy in, in how I look, but it, you know, we're, we're kind of the new class stepping in, you know, like that we, we, you know, we're, it, there's really no other way to put it where, you know, we're dads first and, and, and rockers second. I, I want my, you know, I, at the end of the day, I want my child to be very happy. I want her to be proud of me. Uh, you know, she might think I'm a little nerdy when I'm up on stage and, and, you know, getting the crowd worked up and stuff because at home I'm just dad. Uh, but you know, it, 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 it's, it's, music was such a huge part and still is such a huge part of my life and gave me opportunities that I would have never had before I picked up the sticks. And so I, I, you know, I, I think years down the road, not that I would ever force it on my child, but if she did wanted to get, you know, into music, I have this just giant portfolio that I can show her of, of all these things that I've done throughout the years. Mm -hmm. I like how you say, you know, you're, you are working, you're, you know, you're focused. Another thing is like when you're young and you have no money and you go on the road, like you all cram into a tour van, you know, and you're like sleeping on people's couches. I mean, yeah, I, I, I did that in my younger years. That's that's definitely not uh, <laughs> that's de that's definitely not on my uh, my calendar anytime soon. <laughs> I know, and, and it's okay to like say, you know, if we're going to travel, we need a decent motel, even if it's a Motel 6. You know, we want to be able to print flyers and promote the show. I mean, isn't it nice when you just have a little bit of a bankroll and say, hey, we're going to do this with at least this minimal amount of promotion? I think it I think it actually ties into a lot of facets. You know, at, at, at first I thought maybe, you know, maybe we're pigeonholing ourselves. You know, maybe maybe that's what the music industry wants. Maybe they want those hungry 19, 20 year old guys and girls out there and, and, and going through the daily grind. But then, you know, as as we got into it and as we started to get, you know, some 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 push behind us, I feel like it, it, it's helping us. You know, I think you're young, you've got a lot of energy and you can do all that stuff. I think as you get older, that 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 muscle kind of shifts towards the brain. And so whereas you might make a decision early on in your career out of desperation, I think it puts us into a position to where we actually think a lot more about those decisions before we make them. And so that kind of helps us. Actually, it really does help us in a lot of ways because we can kind of, you know, weigh the decision, what's going to happen if we do this, what's going to happen if we do this. And it, it you know, it, it, it kind of prevents us from making those desperation decisions. Let's let's well, get something real clear though first. The I feel like we're talking about like it, it sounds like we're talking about us like we're grandpas. I mean, age, <laughs> in the words and the words of Pretty Ricky and the Blue Stars, age ain't nothing but a number, and it's it's our mentality is is rock star man. Bring it on. I mean, if we need to play three shows a night, seven days straight, there's not anyone in this band that couldn't handle it. So, I mean, we're not we're not falling down the hill or anything like that. It's yeah, we're more ready than we ever have been. To kind of chime in with that, yeah, I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive dads or rockers. I think we very easily can fill those roles. You know, maybe we allocate our time, you know, by we prioritize our time a little bit differently. But yeah, it, it's not really one or the other. I think we, we embody both of those roles very well. 
I like that attitude, and I think that ties in with your song, Paranoia. And what I like about it is it has this urgency, like it sounds like it could have been written and performed by 19-year-olds. Let me just uh, read a little blurb about the video. It is animated in an Arkham meets Pink Floyd's The Wall style. And I just like how, you know, comic book guys would like this and you know pink floyd fans would like this and it's obvious you have not you know let go of that youthful passion for the music yeah i don't think any of us have changed by becoming followers i think we're all rockers at heart that just we just kind of do our thing whatever that whatever that how you want to classify that thing as we just happen to also have families and those families are supportive and, and a part of this whole thing and um so yeah, it, it's when you start focusing on age or trying to be this, we're just doing our thing. We're just making music that we love and hopefully other people enjoy it as well. And um, I mean, I know, I know, I can speak for myself, and I think all of us we're having. I think we lost him. But before he gets back, I, I you know, I, I do, I'm inclined to agree with both Chibi and DB. I can tell you right now, 36 year old me plays way harder than 19 year old me did. Uh, there's nothing left on that stage at all when I come off after a show, um, and I and, and well, I agree with him. You know, it's right? it's it there. You know, there there is no rocker or dad. We're both. We and 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 we kill it in both. I I can I can stand up for every guy in this group and tell you they're some of the greatest dads to do it. And you know, and to butt up to what Chibi was saying earlier, you know, the, when we say Count Pry as a family, I mean we are. I I play video games with these guys' kids. You know, at night when when, you know, I, I, I go to family barbecues, you know, we, we know we know about the soccer games. We know about all that. So it's it's very much a it's a huge part. It's a, it's a huge part of the Count Pariah family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it like gives that. you so, this sense of like you you understand more, you appreciate more. Like when we step on stage, that performance that we're giving to the people means more to us than it does to 19 year old us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's something about seeing seeing that or being a part of that. Uh, I don't know if dads is to blame for that or maybe we're just late bloomers, man. But I got to tell you, there's nothing like it. I, I think it's I think a, a lot of it is, is going to be maturity. You know, uh, you had several options to be anywhere you wanted to be that Saturday night, but you came to watch us play. I think that's important. And I think it's important that we think that thank the fans for that and recognize that. You know, there are there's plenty of bands you could have went and saw, but you came and saw us. We want to make that, you know, we want to make your decision worthwhile. Uh, and and we we you know, we put that into our playing. We put that hard work and that that effort and that drive into everything. You know, we're not just throwing out a bunch of stuff and hoping that it works. It's every every plan, every step we have taken has been carefully crafted and meticulously looked over before any decision has been made. So paranoia. What inspired that? Is it, is it political? Absolutely not. Uh, you won't get politics from me. Uh, I write the lyrics. Um, our, I'll give you a, a hint or a, a little bit of an inside look at kind of our writing process. Usually, it's going to start with a riff from, from Jason, who plays the guitar, or uh, a DB may send me something. And then it'll come to me and they'll say, is there something here? I'll write to it. I'll write with it. I'll live with it for a while. I'll just listen to it over and over again. And usually, as as cliche as it may sound, the music kind of drives me. So I hear the message in the music. And then 
I kind of derive the topic from that. The topic leads to an experience or something that I've gone through, or in the case of paranoia, something I'm going through. Uh, paranoia was written during the pandemic when it was at its highest, not to say that it's over or any, not to say anything about it, but it was written during the pandemic when it was at its deepest, darkest, you know, and I received this just, this just driving guitar riff. And, and to me, like you said, it has that sense of urgency. It has that push. And to me, it just sounded like something was in the walls, like someone was watching me and I couldn't see them. So when I started writing with that in mind, I started writing and, I, and it was during the pandemic and I was stuck at home. And, you know, I wasn't even we weren't even as a band, we weren't even really seeing each other that much. And then I had this feeling of like, maybe we're being lied to. Maybe we aren't. I don't know anything. You know, that's kind mm -hmm. of where this song was derived. What made you decide to do the video as animation? Oh, we're all super ugly. Every one of us. So, <laughs> That's not true. I've seen pictures. <laughs> no, uh, listen, it's it didn't really come down to even a budget thing. But with a, a live performance track or a live performance video, excuse me, it, it doesn't have the same. You can't explore it in a way that you can explore the video. If you've seen the lyric video, we have an asylum. I don't know where any broken down uh, asylums are that we could have shot in. We have we have other patients. We have security guards. We have food being thrown. We have our sigil in the clouds below the moon. I mean, there's just so many more ways to express the the feeling of the video of the song through animation than there would have been had you just seen our faces plastered on the screen. Mm hmm. Yeah, and when you first saw the video, you know, you always plan it and have the dreams of what it'll look like. What did that feel like the first time you saw it all put together? <laughs> Man, uh, that's that's hard to describe because it's one of those things where everybody always asks that question. When do you think you made it? What is success? And I think that was one of those proud moments because we we knew the song. We played the song. We, we love the song. But then you kind of see this representation of it. And I don't know, it was, I just felt proud, man. It was, we gave a lot of notes uh, and the the guys and the ladies and gentlemen over there at lyricvids.com really took to heart and really jumped on and, and listened to what we were trying to say. It was just, it was a very proud moment for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, it was really cool to see, you know, as, as we were kind of brainstorming and coming up with, with the idea and, and storyboarding the whole thing out, and, um, you know, coming from, from a place of creation through the process and then seeing the end results come to fruition. It was just a super cool process, you know, that, that we had a vision, they, they, they received that so well, and then that make it a reality is just, just awesome. Very cool, very fulfilling process. Yeah, I mean, from a, from a musician standpoint, you know, our 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 canvas and our tools are are always going to be auditory, and it was really really cool to see the visual side, you know, be painted and and applied to one of our songs. It was just it was just it, you know I agree with Shibby. It was a proud moment. I was very you know when I got the when I got the final link in my email and watched it you know before it was released. It it was it was a proud moment. It was like wow this this really came together. This is super cool. Mm hmm. Now, you had mentioned the pandemic and what I read is you guys formed around 2018. So what was that like to form and then like two years into it, 
the pandemic hits right when you're you know picking up steam what was that like we were actually in the studio recording um our last ep um right in the middle of that we we didn't even finish we got like halfway through and had to yeah, pause we started in february right february yeah. of 2020 or what was it 20 yeah 2020 yeah 20 2019 no it was, yeah i believe it was february <laughs> 2020 um yeah and and yeah and we were in, we're in the middle of, of recording and everything just shuts down locks down and yeah it was it was it was, it was weird it, we felt like we were just kind of starting to hit our stride and um you know everything just pauses and so it was it was you know we, we were all everybody was in the same boat at that time obviously but a lot of good things have come out of that you know in hindsight you know all this, a lot of the music that we wrote during that time has a certain you know skew to it because of what was going on around us it gave us some opportunity to introspectively look at what we were doing where we wanted to go um i think in the long run it really it gave us an extra push because we couldn't do anything so it made us even hungry to try to make something happen did you have that moment during the pandemic when you thought we're either gonna quit now or make it stronger was there this like kind of moment of we have to reassess here no. Oh, there's no such thing as quit with us, man. Yeah, that yeah. that that absolutely. If if anything, you know, and the, and the pandemic is looked at in such a negative light, and as it should be, we lost a lot of people. But I, you know, I like to look at that silver lining, and I think it was. I, I kind of relate it to sitting on the tarmac. We were ready, you know, we were ready to take off, and then all of a sudden, you hear the captain come on and says, "Well, you're going to be sitting here for a little while." It was actually during that time when I think a, a large. A, a large percentage of musicians that were that would have been or were in our position had that conversation and said, do we walk away from it now? I think it was a testament to Count Pariah where we decided like now's the time to grind. This is it. Like we, you know, we we've got to get to work. We've, you know, there's no shows on the horizon. No, the industry, the industry is basically shut down. Let's get to work. And that, I mean, it was, it, you know, quitting was never an option for us. Never an option, never crossed the table, never even got thought about. Nice. Well, let's talk about Knoxville. You know, everyone talks about Nashville and Memphis. I've heard of Knoxville, but what makes your city stand out? The Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of true, actually. What are the Tennessee Volunteers? We are we are a college town, so we have the University of Tennessee here in downtown Knoxville. Uh, we have Nayland Stadium, which at one point in time was one of the top five i think largest state college collegiate stadiums um so we're very much a college town we're not uh, you know you, you you got places like philly and new york uh where they're just these large cities you know just these huge melting pots here um it's got a bit of a kind of a bit of a bigger city feel however it's a, still a small town city you know it's, it's got it's got both it's got a little bit of everything uh but but being a college town and and being one of the higher ranked teams in the sec or or we were at some point in time um, you know, you got to know that everything's going to everything's going to shut down. Everything revolves around the University of Tennessee, basically starting this month all the way until <laughs> until January. OK, well, if you're in a, a university town, you have to have at least one used record store. <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to give a shout out. I don't know if they'll listen to this, but uh, Lost and Found Records on Broadway. That That's that's who you need to go to. Nice. And do they still carry vinyl? Yes, they do. They carry vinyl. And as I as I understand it, they're the only physical location that has our actual CD uh, in stock. 
What does that feel like? I'd love hearing bands still putting out physical media. So, so when you first like put this, uh, is this like the single is out or what, what did you put out on CD so far? So far, it's just the original self-titled EP that we dropped uh, back in 2020. Okay. So are you going to put a CD out for Hymns for Heathens? That is a great question. And one that should probably be directed to our label. Yeah. <laughs> we I think, well, so. I, I think ultimately we, it'll it'll depend, you know, it'll burn it'll burn down to the to the return on investment. I mean, how you know how many people want the CD? I know that we live in the digital age, uh, but I also know that we had quite a few requests for actual physical CDs. So, you know, I, I guess time will tell. We'll see, we'll see how it does. Well, when you do a live show, you know, put it on the merch table. Oh, absolutely gotta have something right we need something to sign you can't just like sign people's t-shirts or forearms or what, what do people make you sign <laughs> usually it's shirts and yeah typically yeah typically shirts and cds and maybe a sticker uh i i signed i've signed a couple drumsticks before but although we're very clear about we'll only sign your shirt if you take it off for us just say there you go so you see so, so no, <laughs> no no signing of body parts Oh, not I just yet. haven't been asked yet. That that that's, yeah. that's that's well within my realm. I just haven't been that's asked. Not, not off the table for sure. Yeah. Well, I love your record label. You're on Blue Collar Records. Yes. Shout out to Blue Collar. Shout out to Gary. Shout out to Arnez. Shout out to Isabella. Every single person in that family is wonderful. Top notch human beings. Yeah, we've you've Excellent. already talked to us a little bit about the Count Pariah family. Blue Collar Records has really built a good family for a record label because uh, we've we've worked with other people before. It's not it never has felt like this before. We really feel like we've got a team behind us that really wants us to succeed. And it's not there's not dollar signs in their eyes. Of course, it's a business, you know, but it, when they when they talk to us, it's not dollar signs. It's art. Uh, they, they really care about the product that we're putting out there. And it's it's been a breath of fresh air to say the very least because you always talk you always hear about the vultures in the business and it, we're in a good place mm -hmm. well it's really nice to have support people they love the freedom of doing indie music but at the same time it's okay to ask for help and and when you get to like you know choose your help you know you get to see the process behind the scenes i think you care about it more Absolutely. And it's a lot more difficult as an indie band, unless you just have connections. See, a lot of the, the issues that we've had in the past with scheduling shows or, or booking tours or anything, it comes down to got having to know the guy that has to talk to the guy that puts you on the stage. Or you have to have the label that has to talk to the guy that puts you on the stage. There's so many hurdles to jump. And having that support, you skip several levels. I mean, it's a lot easier to just say, hey, Blue collar, we're we're talking about getting on stage at this place. Blue collar contacts them, and boom, just like that. Suddenly, suddenly we sound much more interesting. Now, a lot of these places, though, they immediately just go straight to Google and Google you. Uh, like, how many YouTube hits do you have? How many Facebook followers do you have? That's that's kind of the another part that's kind of sucks, I guess. But but yes, absolutely, having that that support is is it's mandatory also because an indie label can't push their music worldwide. You know, they can put it on YouTube. But it's not the same as the the algorithms in Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that. That's how 
that's where your music actually gets out. Right, right. And, you know, another thing I was reading, and this is probably something when people are booking you, you know, take a look at, you put yourself out there that you are for fans of all ages. You know, a lot of people just get booked into bars and clubs, but does this, you know, mean that, you know, you're invited to more festivals and, you know, family gatherings? How does that distinguish you guys? Hmm. I think I think necessarily so far. I think once I think once it catches on, I mean, it, it's just it's just a wider net for us. You know, uh, it, you know, it, it it not only is it going to you know open up the ability for us to play at you know at more venues than than just eighteen and up, but that you know we want our music to to reach the masses, everybody. You know, and I've heard uh, you know I'll I'll speak for Jason. You know, he grew up in a, in a musical family and one of his earliest memories was going to concerts with his dad. And that means a lot to him. And so, you know, we want to be able to play music and we want to be able to play music in a venue that is nice. And, and you know, we want our fans to have a good experience. And, you know, when the time I mean, my, my daughter would be two in October, but when the time comes, I absolutely want her to come and watch me perform. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. want it to be a safe space. You know, we don't we don't want fights. We don't want mosh pits. I mean, well, you know, within reason, if you guys are safe about it, that's fine. But, you know, we we, we want to provide a great experience for our fans and maybe their children, if their children want to come watch, too. You know, all we, that being said, though, we don't it doesn't being, you know, for all ages doesn't necessarily that's not what we do. It's not like when we go to write, we're like, oh, no, we can't say the S word right here. It's, it's never like that. We can't, we write to the music. It's just, maybe it's our mentalities because maybe it's because when, when I write, I don't think like that. You know what I mean? And I'm fairly clean on stage. And, and that's just because, may, and maybe it just comes from being a dad, but we don't necessarily write with the in, intent of our music being all ages. It's just how our, how we express ourselves. Usually it comes out that way. Like, I don't, I don't want anyone to think that we're trying to write a song for six-year-olds or 96-year-olds. We're just writing yeah, we're not music try, yeah, that we're we not love. Yeah, we Chuck E. Cheese every week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and our last show, it, there were kids there. You know what I mean? And as a matter of fact, a dad was there with his young kid and brought them up to me because they wanted to tell me that we did a good job on the stage. And that's, that's a different feeling. When a when a bro walks by and slaps me on the back, he's like, "Bro, dude, cool show." It, it doesn't mean the same as when a kid comes up because the the innocence of a child, the they they don't lie. You know what I mean? So, in either Knoxville or Tennessee, what would be your dream venue to play? Would it be a festival? Ooh. Oh well, I uh, mean, if we're talking state, yeah. Well, yeah, I was gonna say if we're talking statewide. It's absolutely got to be Bonnaroo. I don't quite. I don't think there's a bigger artist event here in the state of Tennessee. Uh, but if we're talking to Knoxville, uh, I think Thompson Bowling is a good is a good shot. I'm going to go a little bit bigger. I want to play Nayland. I want to play Nayland State. <laughs> Just a full nice. football stadium. Yep. Okay. There have That's been something. two artists to perform in Nayland, to my knowledge. One was Michael Jackson. The other one was Garth Brooks. Oh, perfect! Oh, right okay. down our alley. I, I really feel like we'd be a good blend of the two. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, if you're gonna, are you gonna like come in on a big wire like Garth Brooks? Uh, that's oh that's Shibby's realm. I just sit behind the drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> well, who oh who is that? So who is the band that brought the drums down? Was that like ELO or one of those '70s bands? 
I mean, Tommy Tommy Lee had some pretty impressive stuff way back in the 80s. Uh, then, of course, you had Joey Jordanson from Slipknot kind of kind of regurgitated that in the 90s and early 2000s. So, yeah, there 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 have been some uh, some big names that have had some pretty impressive stuff happen with their drum kit. Taylor Hawkins used to have like the 30 foot platform that would rise up. Yeah. Yeah. He was always way up top. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, you got to got to give shout outs to all the classic drummers. They're in the back a lot. But they're very important. Bird always says he has the best view in the house, and he's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, before we wrap up, got a couple more questions, but really want to make sure where do people find you and your music? And what are your favorite social media hangouts? We hang out on Instagram at Count Pariah. We hang out on Facebook also at Count Pariah. Uh, and we have our TikTok, and we have a few videos on there. We'd like to explore that platform a little bit more, but Instagram and Facebook is where they'll find us. And they'll find all the links to the shows. They'll find the links to our shop. You know, we have a shop mm -hmm. where you can get gear. Uh, also, uh, Blue, Collar's, Blue Collar LLC YouTube channel. You can yep. find a new video on there. Yes. Excellent. That's where the new video is. So September 9th, that is your date for Hymns for Heathens. That's right. It's going to drop. It's going to drop big. It's going to drop wide. I think people are going to be surprised by the variety on this album. It's, yeah. it's going to be... It's going to be bananas. I, yeah, I was talking earlier and, and, and was talking to a friend of mine, and he's like, man, that, you know, count. He's like, God, that, that paranoia, it's just so great. I can't stop watching. I'm like, you know, man... Is the rest of the album drops on the ninth, and if you really like that one, you're going to be really pleasantly surprised because the rest of this album is just going to blow the top off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, how many tracks total are, are going to be on that? There will be five total tracks. On okay. This and do you have all all the titles and everything laid out, or you know, record a couple new ones to squeeze in before then? No, we have the titles laid out. This was kind of our, our introduction into our label. Uh, we'll have we, we have another thing planned and it's coming, but it's not got a date on it yet. That that'll be probably uh, circa 2023. But right now, this one was our introduction to our label, and we're we're working together to see what we can do here. You know. Well, the the title "Hymns for Heathens." It does conjure up sort of a 90s alt-rock kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I mean, it's not necessarily religious either. I know the word heathens kind of gets that religious, you know, tone to it, but uh, it's not really about that. <laughs> we're, we're really big fans of oxymorons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hymns for heathens. That does have sort of that built-in conflict. Hymns mm -hmm. for heathens. Very provocative. Well, what would you say is the thread throughout it? I mean, paranoia obviously starts, you know, off with a bang. But but what are some other surprises we'll hear? What's the variety on it? Oh, boy. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of grooves. You're going to hear we've got a groovy song on there. We've got a dark song on there. And darker than paranoia. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of authenticity. Like we are we are an authentic band. We write everything ourselves. And you're gonna hear you're gonna hear some real emotion. Uh, some of my favorites in the past, like Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, uh, current one be uh, Pete Loeffler from Chevelle. 
when they write when they write their melodies and they write their lyrics they write with this emotion that you can hear when they sing it this this thing that whatever they were talking about whatever they were speaking on it was so real to them and I'm not trying to say or put myself in the category with those guys, but I learned something from listening to those guys as growing up. You know, I learned that this music before it can be believed by the listener. I have to believe it. It has to be real to me. So you're going to hear very real music. I like that. Yeah. I like, I like to, I like to butt up against that too, is, you know, there, there's an old saying and it's fake it till you make it. And I, I, I believe that that's applicable about 99% of the time. Uh, there's one thing that you can't fake, and that's passion. Uh, and I think that every track from the very first second, from the first note to the last note, every single one of our tracks has our own passion. You know, there's passion behind the drums, there's passion in the bass, there's passion in the guitar, there's passion in the vocals, and you just can't fake it. You cannot manufacture what we're bringing to the table. I like that. Well, I want to give you guys the last word here. This is a very exciting time for you. You put a lot of work into all this. So when Hymns for Heathens comes out, you know, hopefully you'll have a little party. Uh, how, how do you guys want to celebrate that with your families? Are you going to have a big barbecue? How do you how do you join everyone together for this celebration? Unfortunately, we are all masochists and we will probably <laughs> celebrate that by keeping just stay in the course and writing more. Yeah, immediately getting song, back to the next work. Song we write, yeah, the next song we write is going to be our best song. We know it. And we are just striving. Just, I mean, I might have a little bit of whiskey or something, but we are striving forward. You know, we're trying to write the best song we've ever written, and it's going to be the next one. You know what I mean? So our uh, our party is going to consist of a lot of work. And uh, and uh, like like. Like Bird said, we love it so much, man. It's a it's a it's a labor of love for sure. So no no family barbecue. Oh, that might be coming. Uh, as long as it's not during rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, well, I'll I'll wrap up with this cool thing I read. You guys said, besides fathers first, rockers second. You said it's all about family, friends, music, and for at least one of you, Mountain Dew. <laughs> Which one is the Mountain Dew drinker? That would be me. And it's uh, diet Mountain Dew. Be careful. It's yeah, it's di- I don't, diet. I don't drink the full flavor. You got to have the diet. Yeah. No sugar, just lots of caffeine. That's Mountain yeah. Dew light. Pretty much. <laughs> well, those, those are good words to live by. Hey, uh, we've been talking with Count Pariah, which is James Croft, Dustin Barus, Adam Tilly. Uh, Jason Breland was here in spirit. The latest single is Paranoia from the upcoming album, Hymns for Heathens. It drops on September 9th. Just want to thank you guys for sharing all this and to say I think you're making Knoxville very proud. Hey, thank you very much, Kelly. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having us. We appreciate your time.